If you just improved the the power of your offer and who you target it to, yeah. so like the offer and the list uh, would make a world of difference in, in many people's businesses. Mm -hmm. and, and it could be the difference between a successful business and an unsuccessful business is just getting those two things down. And I'm going to re make a recommendation, everyone, uh, for uh, how to plan out uh, 2023 in the best of ways as it relates to marketing. If you'd like to join world-renowned entrepreneurs at the next Genius Network event or want to learn more about Genius Network, go to GeniusNetwork.com. So go ahead, Dean. What are we going to share with everyone today to set themselves up? What for are we going to share? You know what I want to start off with? I've been thinking about this for a long time, and uh, we had a great laboratory now to experiment with on this. So my girlfriend, Luba, owns a uh, studio called Amazing Brows and Lashes, and they do eyebrow microblading and permanent makeup and facials and all the fancy equipment that does all these uh, expensive facial things. And I came up with this idea that I've been wanting to test and we got it into action and in the mailboxes. And this is the perfect thing. If you have something that would be perfect for a gift card. So let me set the stage here. So we sent this, we chose uh, 500 of Luba's clients. These are people who've come and spent money in her amazing brows and lashes studio, but we only have the names of the actual clients and we want their partners to know that they can buy them a gift card for Christmas. So how do you deliver that message to the partner if you don't know the partner's name? So my brainstorm was if we address the envelope to the person in charge of making sure Dean Jackson has the best Christmas ever. So that's how the envelope goes out. Please rush to the person in charge of making sure Joe Polish has the best Christmas ever. And we put his address there. Now, the uh, you know live stamp on the thing, no return address, but an embossed uh, Amazing Brows and Lashes. Um, uh, what do you call that? like a embossing uh, stamp uh, thing. So it's a raised uh, thing on there. A number 12 envelope, slightly bigger than a number 10 envelope. So it's going to be the most interesting thing you get in the mailbox today. And then here's the letter. Merry Christmas. If you're reading this, that means you're in charge of Christmas for someone very special to us. And we want her to have the best Christmas ever this year. I've got a really easy way to help. With one phone call or text, we can set up a gift card for her from you, packaged in a beautiful card, and as a gift from us, we'll include a free lash lift treatment to add to whatever facial, eyebrow, or permanent makeup treatment she chooses with her gift card. We can set the gift card for any amount you choose, up to $10,000. Just call or text, and we'll take care of the rest. Love, Luba. P.S., just scan the QR code to see if uh, to see the gift card and all the amazing facials and services she can choose from. So, when you look at this, I'm pretty happy about this. And I'm, I'm uh, being able to kind of crack that code of going to the person in charge opens this up as something you can do for any special occasion. If you've got client, if you've got something that a gift card would be great. Or, uh, you know, something, a uh, birthday gift, or you could do it on uh, 
people's birthdays to the person in charge of making sure Joe Polish has the best birthday ever, or you could do it to the uh to the husbands on for Valentine's Day, to the person in charge of making sure Gina has the best Christmas or the best Valentine's Day ever, or the best Mother's Day ever, or the best Father's Day ever. You think about all of the ways that you could use this. I just think as a device to get to the person in charge. Now, we did a promotion similar to this with Lane Bowers, and you may remember Lane uh, as the barefoot water skier uh, that he spoke at our first uh, I Love Marketing event. And he was a world champion barefooter and he has a ski school here in Winter Haven and they sell all kinds of equipment for barefooters, booms and uh, wetsuits and uh, bar, uh, handles and all, all that stuff. And we did a little promotion where we put together a Christmas wish book for his uh, for his clients and then we sent them an email saying, hey, Joe, I figured out a way for you to get exactly what you want for Christmas this year. Click here and I'll tell you all about it. And that was the email that sent them to a video where we showed Lane holding the Christmas wish book that we emailed to them as a PDF and said, here's how it works. I just emailed you the Christmas wish book and we had the Christmas wish book logo on the thing. And I demonstrated to them now. So download this Christmas wish book, take a highlighter and circle the things that you really want and put stars beside the ones you really want. Then accidentally leave it out so that somebody can discover it. And that'll make it super easy for them to make uh, Christmas because on everything, we've got the website and the phone number for people to call. So two Christmas promotions coming from either side. If you want to go to your clients, tell them how to make sure that somebody who's in charge of buying their gifts gets in front of, uh, that the message gets in front of them, and how to get in front of that person without even your clients knowing that you're doing it. So I I'm super excited about that one. Have, have you ever got anything like that in your mailbox, Joe? Uh, not, you know, look, I've got a lot of really cool, similar things. So many stuff. And I mean, I've gotten things that uh, obviously from you, which always has a creativity. The, the beauty about it is even just the way you address the, the envelope. Just, yeah. I mean, just speak to that, Dean, if you could, with the psychology behind it. Because it's... Yeah. Uh, that was the whole thing, right? Is the, is being able to, uh, you know, do it in a way that seems so personal, but having that uh, label on there, please rush to the person in charge of making sure Joe Polish has the best Christmas ever is just, you know, I thought about this, that what we might do, uh, let's just a show of hands. If you got an envelope like that, that was to the person in charge of your name doing the thing, let me just, and be honest about this is what would you do if you got that? Would you open it yourself or would you leave it out for somebody to, to find it? Just put in the chat, open it or leave it. So I'd like to see what people would, uh, would do. You'd leave it out. Okay. Robert would leave it out. Leave it out. Open, open. So I thought what would be very funny is to put another envelope with the same label inside of the envelope with a lift note that says, you know, have the whole thing, have it sealed in again, but have a lift note and say, 
you know, Joe, if this is you opening this, this that point is I'm trying to help you get what you want for Christmas. So I'm going to give you another chance. Here's another sealed envelope. Just leave this one out on the counter and make sure that somebody else sees it so they can buy you a nice Christmas uh, surprise. But what was the tally here? Let's look at the chat and see what the... Uh, I think there's more open it, but let's see. I, I was I quit yeah. looking after a while, but there's quite. A, I mean, it's it's interesting. A lot of, a lot of leave <laughs> open, it out. Open, leave it, leave it, leave. Open, 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 leave. Well, let's ask and Kenny Arnoff. Wait, where, where, Danny where, says, "Yeah, where's Kenny Arnoff at? Is Kenny a, Kenny? Uh-huh. Put, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Put, all right. So Kenny Arnoff, if you don't know, is like not just like one of the best drummers in the world. Um, but uh, what would you say? Why would you? Uh, would you open it or leave it out? I'd open it because I'm kind of like I like to be in charge of everything I do. Uh huh. That's so, <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah. And then and then I'd probably would, but then I'd probably <laughs> put the other envelope out. That's what <laughs> once you're onto it, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think that's funny, but I think that would be a little like uh, a laugh for people too, right? To because yeah. about probably fifty fifty of the people would open it and 50 would leave it, you know, and just so we put a little thing, just in case this is you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, Ken, not look, cause I like bragging about people. Kenny, how many albums are you on in the world? 300 million sold. I'm on three were 40 million each with uh, two Celine Dion records and uh, meatloaf bad out of hell too. But then a couple other big ones, Ricky Martin, 20 million, uh, you know, all the Mellencamp records all added up together was probably fifty million. Ooh. Yeah, John Cougar Mellencamp's drummer. I mean, yeah, Kenny. Kenny's a badass. If you guys don't know Kenny, <laughs> look him up. And we got a great I Love Marketing episode we did. I don't know how many years ago that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he a wrote lot. a book called Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll. Yeah, see what, had, see what he did there. But yeah. it's not about sex. I just, I just like the title. Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, the uh, publisher went, Kenny, is this book about sex? Because the first word is sex. Did Tommy so, Lee ever? Did Tommy Lee call you and say, "Damn it, you took my <laughs> biography title"? Exactly. Well, <laughs> with to, well, Tommy Lee is that word means sex in the yes. Book. You know what I mean? He, 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 in his case, he didn't need to have the word sex. Everybody knows. You know what I mean? With me, it would like, you know, I was hoping it would just make people open up the cover. But I, I immediately made it very specific at the beginning. It was something like, you know, hey, if you're looking for a book where the drummer had sex with 3,000 women, this isn't that book. Of course, they didn't see me wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, okay, right. So, uh, yeah, I mean... It was yeah, only yeah. two thousand nine ninety nine. Yeah, 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 something like that. Who's counting? You know, uh, Kenny, as, as a marketing thing, like what in your business, in the entertainment business, um, what have you seen as one of the best marketing promotional things ever? I mean, there's so many uh, in that world, but what what what's something that really stands out to you? Wow. Um, well, the first thing I can think about as far as marketing, anything with the word free. F R E E will grab, will get people excited. You know, I mean, whatever that is, you know, and that gets people engaged. You know, yeah, and that's that's what I'm thinking of first because that's what you know. You have to think a lot of the audiences 
the, the biggest audiences typically are young audiences that are obsessed, you know, with a band and that band is the soundtrack of their life, whatever that oh. music is. And uh, when you start talking, you know, okay, so if a ticket was very expensive, but you get a free this and a free that, uh, it gets people excited. And it makes them feel like they're, they're the uh, the artist cares about them. Well, hey, I'll give you this, you know. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the best at this is Taylor Swift. I mean, mm -hmm. she, man, she has got her social media, uh, you know, the modern day of reaching people and engaging. She's got it down. Her people got it down. You know, mm -hmm. they, there was an interesting thing where they just sold, uh, it was a Live Nation, put mm -hmm. her shows on sale. I don't know if you read about this, but the tickets went on sale and and things got sold out so fast that her super fans missed out. Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift got, got involved and got engaged and was furious, but that was great promotion for her, mm -hmm. for her fans, because then her fans saw she cares about us and... You know, and, uh, you know, lawyers got involved and so whatnot. But, yeah, free is, I think, a, the big thing right there. Yeah, love it, love it. You, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know if we'd want to put it out. I'd have to do some serious editing. But when you're here with Joe Satriani, um, after the show, yeah. and that was, what, three months ago or something yeah. like that, you yeah. were down here? And, and Kenny calls me up, invites me, of course, gets me backstage passes with Danny Zalesko, who's one of the top concert promoters in the world. And then I do on an iPhone, I film Kenny and Danny for like an hour sharing all kinds of backstage Ooh. stuff with oh my God. musicians. It was so off the charts. It, it everyone, it, it is, it was so fascinating. It's so entertaining. It's hysterical, but I got that video and I'm trying to figure out like, uh, how do we release that thing? It's so damn good. <laughs> well, you, you're going to have, what you're going to hear is, Beep, beep, bleep, beep, beep, beep. Because everybody, you have to understand, uh, I mean, Joe and me both aren't a loss for words, but Danny, uh, he, he he goes, to, he should have been the rock star. I mean, this wow. guy, he says whatever he wants and, and goes, you know, it's like, I might be left to center. Well, let's say Joe's uh, 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 half of, I'm twice what Joe is left to center, but Danny's 10 times left to center. <laughs> right? I mean, he'll just say whatever he wants. Exactly. And, and he wants a reaction. And we're already in the rock and roll realm. So this guy goes outside of that. I mean, whoo. It's yeah, it's it's so, it's so good. Yeah, but that, well, yeah. That, so there's a lot to be said there. And I think, yeah, yeah. So as we're doing this, Dean, I'm just sitting there thinking of future future episodes and things. I know, you know, I was thinking about, Kenny, that with, uh, it'd be good to do another episode now about how uh, NFTs and blockchain and all this stuff is gonna, is affecting uh, the music industry because well, it's a whole new game. Well, you know, I got approached so many times on that. I even had people come in and film my gold records. And then let's say I had Blaze of Glory. So I, on my wall, there's a Blaze of Glory, John Bon Jovi, so, first solo record. But I had the chart that I wrote, the handwritten, very mm. detailed, looks like Chinese. I mm -hmm. write, I, I'm, I'm one, I don't know anybody who does it like me. I write every single note out. Right. Yeah, technical, when I got, technical very, right, well, right. here's, here's yeah. why. So when I got done with that, uh, Joe Satriani tour, as soon as I landed, I had to look at 85 songs I have to learn for three huge shows. 
Well, I can't memorize 85 songs right. and the tempos. And in rehearsal, they're editing and changing. And these are with artists like Buddy Guy, Ann Wilson from Heart, John Fogarty, Stephen Stills, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Billy Gibbons, Joe Bonamassa, and then this G4 thing with these ungodly virtuosic guitar players. Hey, I might be talented, but I ain't no genius. So I have figured a method, which is to write everything out. So anyway, I have these charts that I... Like, uh, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that by meatloaf. I've got that chart, four mm. or five pages. I've got Belinda Carlisle, Heaven on Earth. So I was holding up these gold records or platinum records and the chart, and they were filming that, and we were I was telling a story about the session. And the yeah. idea was to sell them and then we were going to make a website of my studio and then you could go is if there's a gold record on the wall you touch the gold record mm -hmm. and then you go inside uh, that world and all this stuff but it, it never happened and you know oh. i mean and th this happened three times and I, I don't know and then there was another meeting i had with this guy a manager guy was saying well, we want to get beyond the gold records and people could buy the chart the, the idea was you could buy the gold record with the chart, uh, maybe uh, have an hour with me, uh, and on and on. This other guy wanted to do more of the brand of Kenny Aronoff and sell the stories. They wanted the rock and roll stories. He was holding up my book and said, I want the stories that aren't in this book. If people could buy that, you know, that type of thing. And it, so I was fascinated, but nothing ever really mm. went to the end. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the, the things that are, are happening now. I mean, you know, the whole it used to be there were, you know, six guys that decided who gets out, what music gets uh, out in the world, right? Mm -hmm. The heads of the major labels. And then just Money. recently. Yeah. And now, you know, a couple of years ago, you had Lil Nas X makes the longest running number one song on the billboard charts in the history of the billboard charts from his grandmother's closet. You okay, know, now let's check this yeah. out. Okay. So, so Taylor Swift. Okay. In my world, when let's say Jack and Diane, which I did with Mellencamp. Hmm. Uh, okay. Let's back up one. The first single on American fool was hurt. So good. It went to number two. Number one was I, the tiger, but think about it. Rocky, one had just come out. Mm -hmm. So now you've got the marketing of the song and the movie. Okay, so I went up to a record label guy a couple years ago. I went, hey, listen, could John Mellencamp's people, because you have to pay to get on the radio. I mean, mm -hmm. how is a new artist going to compete with Elton John, Springsteen, uh, Tom Petty? I'm just thinking of the bands that were big back then. Well, you're going to have to pay. There's only 24 mm -hmm. hours a day to play a song. And so you have to pay. So, all right. So I said to this record producer, this is a great story. I said, or, or a record A&R person, I said, could John Mellencamp, Polygram Records, could they have paid to get that song from number two to number one? Of course. Right? I said, yeah, that would have been the case, except the Scotty brothers were behind Eye of the Tiger and the Scotty brothers were the mafia. Mm. So they went, forget about it. Mm. And so then they released Jack and Diane, and it goes to number one. And so I don't know what kind of money was there, but that particular situation was the old school model was you'd have a album oriented 
radio stations. And that is the, the uh, radio station would play every song on an album. And then people would phone in and go, I like that one. I like that one. And they yeah. get, get the stats. They go, okay, this is what people like. And that would then shift to the singles okay. radio, the top 40 radio stations. And the, of course, the, the best time, what do you think the best time where you have the biggest audience? What time, what two times during the day, when is the, the biggest audience listening to radio? 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. 5 p.m. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Driving to work, mm -hmm. driving home. And so you would, that's where you get the big companies like Pepsi, Coca Cola, mm -hmm. you know, putting their money in. So, okay, so that was everybody was going to the radio, and that was a big thing. That has changed tremendously. Yeah. So, check this out Taylor Swift just had a record release. She had the top 10 slots, all of them. And she had the top 13 slots out of the top 15 slots on the uh, the billboard charts, which shows, mm. you know, the, you know, uh, sales. All right. So the first thing I thought, wow, that's unprecedented. Nobody's ever, ever done that. Not the Beatles, not Creedence Clearwater, not the Stones. Drake had but, nothing at one point. Yeah. But nobody it's a different market now yeah how did she do that i don't i it's a different system now i don't know the actual details but do you keep it's they're two different systems it used to be people were calling in people were buying records now how did she get the top 10 maybe she's I mean, got that, reach she's got a direct connection to all of her fans at any time that's the thing is like she doesn't have they don't have to wait to accidentally hear on the radio that hey taylor swift's got a new album right. out She's telling them all the way along the way, I'm working on my new album. It's almost ready. We're going to drop on next Tuesday. It's Sunday. We're going to drop on Tuesday. We're yeah. going to drop. And then she drops and it breaks the internet. Yeah. And they, and they're in, they're, their social media marketing strategies mm -hmm. off the hook, I hear. So yeah. that, that's, they came in, they just steamrolled everybody. The lesson so, in that, Kenny, is, the, is that the audience is everything, is reach. You know, I, I was looking... We've been talking about this uh, formula that I've been calling the the VCR formula: vision plus capability multiplied by reach. Mm -hmm. And what Taylor had, there's lots of people who are are talented and can do the work, but don't have the reach to get to people. Okay. There may be better singers technically yeah. than Taylor that. But she's got the vision, she's got the capability, and it multiplies by reach. Yeah. And that's where, you know, if you're going to focus on anything in any business, focusing on, on reach or access to reach is the, uh, is the big thing. That's where, you know, you look at the, the only people who had reach in the 60s, when you look at it, the radio stations had the reach. If yeah, you were in yeah. there, that's why payola even got started, right? It was because that you knew that that's the pathway to selling records is they hear it on the radio. They run to the store to, to buy the album. So that's the only way you're not able to seek it out or access it in any way. We're in a whole different world now where we can we have every song ever recorded in the history of the earth available instantly on any device summoned by your voice you know i mean just how where what world are we in when you could just say siri play jack and diane 
Yeah. And it'll yeah. start playing. I, I mean, I that's, that's, yeah. Well, it's heavy. If you have your iPhone next to Alexa, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you can hear Jack and Diane everywhere. That's so bad. That's but so you know, bad. it's the same thing, though, right? It's all still reach. It was reach with radio, and now yeah. it's reach with, uh, it's always reach. Yeah. The, the, the interesting about them, uh, well, nowadays, is that the good news is that anybody can get their music on, uh, out there. Yeah, whatever, whatever they're trying to promote. That's the point. The, but that's the point. But the that what gets complicated is that now you're competing with the entire globe. Yeah, uh, and that's what that's the little Nas X story. And all of this, if it seems like we're just talking about music, we're not talking about music. I'm talking about everything and how little Nas X became the number one song was they started out. He was pushing it through TikTok, getting it out by memes and getting everything out there. They got on the country music chart on Billboard and Billboard said, hang on now. That's not that's not country music. And they took him off that. And he tweeted out, somebody get me Billy Ray Cyrus. And it was like, because what's more country than Billy Ray Cyrus? So Billy Ray got involved, did a verse and the rest is history. Because his that reach from all the controversy around uh, around that, but anybody can do it now. That's the and and the controversy actually helped him. Mm -hmm. That's the good news for musicians is we're really well check this meritocracy. So at the end of my hallway, I have a studio and a studio, and I have a couple rooms, you know, control room, drum. But the end of the hallway is a bunch of young kids, and uh, this guy, this kid. Okay, it's two guys in the band. One guy uh, plays all the instruments and the other guy sings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and so when they go on tour, they have backing tracks. They have all this technology, mm -hmm. so, you know, and maybe they add one other musician. They just signed a record deal or they're about to sign a record deal, 80-20. Now, the old business model would be if it was 85-15 or 80-20, 85-15 was more popular. It was 85 to the label. 15 mm. to the artist. Now this guy signed, they're getting a deal was 80 to the artist, 20 to the label. And here's mm. why, or maybe it's going to be, yeah, something like that. Here's why. Cause those guys had to do, they had to pay for all the recording themselves. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just like any business takes money to make a business develop and grow, it takes money to get the band in the studio. It takes money to pay them so they can write songs, arrange, and, and then it takes money to get management and marketing. It takes money to get them on the road. It takes money to promote. It takes money to get on the radio. It takes money for wardrobe. It takes money, money, money. And eventually. <laughs> money, 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 money. Yeah. Money. Yeah. So, and they, uh, thank you. Hey, by the way, we rehearsed this. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> So, but these kids, the new business model, okay, this is get into publishing. The new business model is that you have to kind of do it on your own. Mm -hmm. But because you do it on your own, you kind of uh, get a better deal. Mm -hmm. Now, where the, the labels, what they want, what everybody wants is the publishing. Mm -hmm. and, and the publishing, by the way, there's the writer. If you look at a pie, publishing is half the pie writer's share is the other side legally nobody can take the writer's share unless you're willing to give it to somebody so when you hear of a of a of an artist that lost all their publishing they only lost half the pie okay yeah. 
But now some artists like John Fogarty, who I worked for for almost 30 years, uh, he got so frustrated with his manager when he was he was the brain songwriter of Queen's Clearwater. He went, God damn it, you know, watch I, I, I got to get out of this deal. Just take my publishing. And the guy went, sure. Or my writer, sure. <laughs> he gave up that. That's wow. suicide. You don't ever give that up. So what's happened now is because these kids made their own record. Uh, and they told the label uh, when they were making deals that they wanted, you know, to keep their publishing. Mm-hmm. And the label gave it to them. Mm. That the label, is the publishing and the masters and the, yeah. yeah. And they've got the 80%. Now, I, it's almost like, so what's the label getting out of it? Well, I mean, the thing is they obviously want to have be on top of the latest, greatest, best thing. And uh, that deal, by the way, they're not going to give to everybody. But they believe that this is this is going to work for them. I mean, these and these and the lead singer, by the way, is doing five social media posts every day. That's mm-hmm. all he did. Five, you know, dark and vibey, and the engagement is so heavy, and it worked for them because they got um, I don't know if it's two, three million followers. So the label's going like, yeah, yeah, and so they'll make some money with these guys, and 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 they even offered them a million dollar. Advance, and yeah. these kids, these kids were brilliant and said, "No, just give us a hundred thousand, because you know any advance you pay back." Right. Yeah. So they said, "Well, don't just give us a hundred thousand. As a matter of fact, use five hundred thousand on marketing us. That's a way better way to use their money. They're going to have to pay back is on marketing. Don't give us the money. We buy a bunch of cars and houses or whatever." No, take our money and then put it into marketing to make us even more money. Yes, that's exactly it. it. Brilliant, man. These, these kids, are, they're figuring it out. God bless America. <laughs> what a country. Well, there, well, there you go. So, <laughs> so what is the lesson here on all this conversation? I posted in the chat. Yeah. Uh, I wrote uh, vision plus capability times reach. How does uh, what Kenny is saying apply? To, I think I had a typo. Apply to this. Explain it, Dean. How's this apply to everyone? So, you know, this is perfect. If you've got the, in some cases, like what a, a label now can provide for people is distribution and the technical, you know, managing all the logistics of distributing physical uh, music, even though that's a minority of what's happening now. It's all on the the streaming that's how spotify becomes so valuable because they've got reach to you know 500 or 600 million daily uh users and that's you know, anybody can get up on uh on spotify there but you look at those uh things and it's really um you know you're either on the the vision side where you've got a uh you you can create an idea for something that you want not not just in music but in uh you know in anything we looked at we you know two years ago three years ago we talked about Kylie Jenner becoming a billionaire using that same model she had a vision that she wanted to create lip kits and cosmetics the capability is the most uh crucial part of that is being able to make the stuff, but she didn't have to do it herself. She partnered with uh, Seed Labs to make it and and uh, do all of the uh, administration and technical stuff. And then she's got the reach of 
150 or 200 million now social media followers. So she's all she has to do is, I want to do this. Who's going to help me with this part of it, the capability? And then I'll just tell the uh, I'll just tell the internet that I've got these lip kits, and it's instantly she's a billionaire. Yeah, and it's it works that same way with with so many things. Mr. Beast, you see what's happening there. Mr. Beast has sixteen hundred Mr. Beast Burger restaurants that are on Grubhub, Uber Eats only available on delivery apps using excess capacity in other people's kitchens. He's never even opened a, uh, oh, he's got one now, sorry, a physical location in New Jersey in a mall that's, you know, uh, doing $30,000 a day in sales. Uh, But these 1,600 restaurants, he doesn't have a single restaurant. All he had was the vision. Here's what the Mr. Beast menu is. Here's what the Mr. Beast burger is. All the it's like the intellectual property, the publishing of this burger menu. And it's really amazing because I had a client that I got um, onto the Mr. Beast um, platform. They own grocery stores and they had kitchens where they do prepared food. So they became a Mr. Beast outlet in their uh, in their market. And he was showing me how they do it. You know, you have to stock. There's 23 SKUs that you have to stock if you go, uh, if you're going to be a Mr. Beast um, um, provider. And they get them all from the same uh, food suppliers that you're buying all the stuff from anyway. So you just stock these items. They send you the equivalent of what look like little iPhone videos that show you how to make the uh, the menu items. Here's how the Mr. Beast, here's the recipe for the Mr. Beast burger. They show you how it's made and then how to package it. They've got all the logo and the packaging for everything. And your training program is watch these videos, make the menu, send us a picture of the completed item to knock it off that shows that you're able to do this uh, mm. other thing. And then they turn on the stream and people order because he's got the reach for this. He's got the reach to get to his 120 million subscribers. He's got the equivalent of a Super Bowl commercial every time he puts out a video. And everybody knows about Mr. Beast Burger. They go on Grubhub. They order up their Mr. Beast Burger. The restaurant, they prepare it, put it in a, a bag, put it by the back door. Somebody else comes and picks it up. And Mr. Beast Burger is one of the most successful restaurants in the country today because of that. And so this world of collaboration where we've got, you know, you're either, you either got vision or you've got, you know, capabilities and it's matching your capabilities with a, with a better vision, you know, maybe, or you've got excess capacity in something that's a, it's a really, it's a neat, um, opportunity you know this is why even in old days um you see a lot of artists have their own labels that are underneath a uh, underneath deal of their master thing along with my deal i get a label so i can sign artists and that becomes now they've got the capability to bring another artist that they see they've got the vision to see that this 
You know, they've got like, uh, you know, like the trickle down thing. Dr. Dre signed Eminem, signed 50 Cent, you know, signed G Unit, signed. It goes all the way down that this whole thing is building on this core capability of having a label that can uh, put things out. Absolutely. That's what was like a polygram had Mercury. Mercury mm-hmm. had Reva. John Mellencamp was signed to Reva. John Mellencamp's manager created Reva. He managed also Rod Stewart. So the imprint was Reva under Mercury, which was the division of Polygram. Yeah. And, then, and then under Polygram, eventually it was Island Records and this yeah. and that. It was this umbrella of of, of 20 labels. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely, that's how it worked. Dean, look at the uh, question where it says, how could you apply this to the coaching industry okay, using perfect. the surplus idea? So that's great. So part of it is you look at it that if you've got a protocol, let's say that if you're a coach, you look at the capability that you have. And this is the same for anything that you do in your business. You've got a method. You've got a technique. You've got a um uh, I call it the algorithm. You know, you've got something that you can predict or pr- uh, create a predictable result for somebody. Let's say that you've got a way to coach somebody through the process of doing anything. You know, it could be anything. Losing weight of, uh, you know, getting leads on on Facebook, creating a YouTube channel, all of those, uh, whatever it is. Once you figure out, once you've got the um, capability to do that, you've got something that could be now scalable. You could that if you break that out into a vision piece, a vision is like an IP, a piece of IP, that a recipe, a uh, you know, a protocol, something that you know how to uh do, you can then create, you've got an asset there. That now all you need is people who are friendly and uh, good conversationalists and, uh, you know, can bond with people and have a desire to be a coach that you can infuse their raw capability with your vision of telling them how to get the result for somebody. But even that's not enough. Now you need a way to for them to get the result. Right, you mean to get the reach to find people to work with. So, if you are a coach that has figured out all of the pieces of that VCR formula completely, where you know this is what people want, this is how we get it, this is how we get the message to them, that's where you've got so much opportunity to uh, to scale. You know, you can license your coaching system to other coaches and show them how to do it. You could be the person that creates the demand for all of these coaches. You could, uh, you know, if you've got a way to generate people who want to get that result that you can show them to do and then introduce them to coaches who can do the uh, can do the actual work. Some of the biggest coaching countries or companies um, in the world, use that model where they've got they scale with coaches who are you know able to deliver the result, but somebody does all the the marketing of it. You know, uh, f- franchises are a, a perfect example of that too. That you're buying a uh, you know you're buying the 
operating system that you know the whole if a good franchise will have the whole formula for you of how to get new clients how to serve them how to organize the business all around it but just looking at your business and seeing making a list of what your your vcr assets are right what are the things that you know how to do what are the things that you've figured out the what would be intellectual property right? What capabilities do you have? So let's say you own a printing shop and you've got printing presses that can print, uh, you know, postcards and newsletters or whatever it is. If you've, if you're not a hundred percent at capacity, that excess capacity that you have is an asset that you can use to find somebody with something that would be benefited by uh, you know, using the uh, printing to get out to more people. So you start thinking about your access to your own capabilities for free or at the incremental cost of what it caught, what it takes to do them. Kenny mentioned, you know, free is his the most powerful word. And it's absolutely true. Like another promotion we've just doing with Luba is she's got all these facial machines and all the things. You've got the capability to serve 10 people a day, seven days a week to do. If you just line them up in the chair, she's got the capacity to do seven times three chairs. 210 people could come and get 50 minute facials in a seven day week. That's the inventory or the capacity that she has. She, the machines are there, whether they're doing those, uh, all of those slots are filled. It's kind of like a hotel. If you've got 200 hotel rooms and you've only sold 100 of them, tomorrow that was perishable, right? It doesn't get no value from it. So what's the incremental cost to give somebody an experience of one of these facials she's got they're amazing and some of them have uh, like a their standard facial it may cost her twenty dollars to give somebody a facial that costs 150 dollars so to offer somebody a free facial as an opportunity to get somebody to know them to come into the studio, to have an experience of the studio, to see what a jewel box she's created there, to get to know the people, to get, while you've got a captive audience, somebody's there getting the facial to educate them about all the different facials that are available. And then know that it's not a one-off thing. It's not something that's going to come one time and then they're done forever. You, you know, she's got a membership program that people can sign up to come every month for facials or do a series of facials with the microneedling or the Hydra uh, facials or Haifu facials. And probably you don't know what any of that means. I didn't either. But to educate somebody about what they do is a, uh, you know, it's a great audience. And for only $20, I would say sometimes it's less expensive to get somebody a result than it is to convince them to give you money to get that result. It's less expensive to give somebody a facial to get them in, have that experience of it, and know that they're going to, at a larger rate, continue on and get more facials. Well, you know what, Gene, let me say that to to go back to what uh, Kenny said earlier. 
Um, I made more money before I ever started teaching marketing to anybody. Yeah. This is what actually showed me I could actually teach marketing to people is back in 1992 when yes. I, so we're talking 30 years ago, right? Yes. And um, uh, where I was given away more than 30 years ago, because I started doing this in uh, around uh, probably March of 1992. And I started giving away a free room of carpet cleaning. And I made more money giving away a free room of carpet cleaning than I ever did price discounting my services. And then you translate that into, you know, six years after that, um, where I had sold probably I don't know, uh, 5,000 cleaning and restoration companies all over the world, um, a marketing course. And then, you know, a few years later, over 12,000 cleaning and restoration companies and generated, uh, you know, a couple of billion dollars in revenue had been generated from my ads and campaigns and promotions. And the number one offer was a free room of carpet cleaning. Mm -hmm. And with no cost or obligation of any kind. And once we were there, we would do a, a, a carpet audit where we would, you know, change uh, instead of doing a quote or an estimate. Now, that being said, for everyone here, and this is an exercise that I'm going to work on, and I'd like everyone to write this down. Those of you that have been uh, following uh, I Love Marketing for a while, and it's now been 12 years uh, that me and Dean have been doing the I Love Marketing podcast. So we've had hundreds wow. of episodes. Yeah, it's a long time. Um, you know, Dean uh, has this great line where he says, um, and, and write this down if you haven't heard it before. And if you have, this is a reminder, a compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. A compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. Whatever anyone has, however you bond or connect or promote or market to your existing clients, whatever uh, market you target, whoever is referring you, if you're getting any referrals at all, the one thing that will help all of that is a compelling offer. And so, Dean, what would be an exercise that you could suggest to everyone here so that they get, can go into 2023 with not only more clarity, I mean, even using uh, AI to help you, wor you know, uh, wordsmith, mm -hmm different compelling offers would be a, a good exercise, but how uh, would you recommend every, because if just listening to this, uh, this live that we're doing right now, if you just improved the, the power of your offer and who you target it to, yeah. so like the offer in the list uh, would make a world of difference in, in many people's businesses. Mm -hmm. and, and it could be the difference between, a successful business and an unsuccessful business is just getting those two things down. And I'm going to re make a recommendation, everyone, uh, for uh, how to plan out uh, 2023 in the best of ways as it relates to marketing. But speak to that if you could, Dean. Well, I love the idea. So if you've got something that is uh, that's repeating, that somebody's going to buy your good or service multiple times throughout a year and into, you know, so they're going to buy it on a recurring basis. If you're trying to uh, attract a, a customer, um, there's nothing better than having somebody have the first experience of it for free. That's the fastest way to get somebody to try something. It's the most compelling rather than giving somebody a discount on something where they still have to, to buy. So I would look at how can you offer free as a initial um, 
opportunity. Now, even if it's something, if it's something that you can't, if it's a one-time or big ticket thing, and there's no way to like give somebody an experience of something, adding free information into something is a great way. The only things that we have to look at are what what's the problem that we're trying to solve? And the, the basic problems are are we you know, we're trying to get a lead turn an invisible prospect into a visible prospect, or we're trying to educate and motivate and make offers to the leads that we've generated so that we get a client. We're trying to generate leads, convert those leads into clients. We're trying to serve our clients and multiply what happens when we're doing this, giving your clients an opportunity to refer you know, or to to introduce new people where they get a benefit to uh, do things, you know, like, so, so often when you give your clients an opportunity to be a hero, they will multiply themselves. A couple of examples, if you offer, so we did this with the Mosquito Authority, I did a lot of work with uh, them, Mosquito Control. And one of the things that we did was offer what we called golden tickets, where we would, if you come on as a new uh, client, then we would welcome you and we'd send you a note and include three golden tickets in the envelope that would say, let's see Michael Fishman there. I'd say, hey, Michael, uh, you know, now that you've gotten a taste of mosquito-free living, you don't want to be without it. We've spoiled you, but it's okay. We've got you covered. Here are three golden tickets to give to, or three free treatments to give to anybody wherever you go so that everybody can be mosquito-free. Knowing that if once you have an experience of a mosquito-free backyard, that's a it's a wonderful thing. And if you know now that you've got to go to your brother-in-law's house next weekend and they live in a wooded area and they're going to get eaten alive by mosquitoes at the barbecue, you've got the opportunity to be a hero to the brother-in-law by giving him a free certificate for a uh for a free mosquito treatment. So easy to recommend. And I tell people that give a friend is far more compelling than refer a friend. When you give somebody the opportunity to give something to a friend, that's why if you've got a gym, you give people passes to bring people in to the gym for the first time or to your studio or whatever it is. You give them that opportunity. If you've got an HVAC company and you have a uh, platinum level service, a membership service where you get all these benefits of no service charges and uh, 10% off and all, all these things, if you allow people with that level of service to extend that level of service to their inner circle. Because somebody said in the chat, nobody cares about their air conditioning or their things until there's a breakdown or something. That's exactly when it would be beneficial if your platinum members, the ones who value the ongoing service of that, if part of their service was they get to, in a moment of need, give somebody the benefits of their platinum service so that their, you know, their sister calls and is complaining, oh, our air conditioner is broken. Then they can say, oh, I got you. I'll call Mike and he'll come, they'll come right over and 
fix that. Now she looks like a hero, right? She looks like a hero because she gets to be a big shot. She gets she she's like over there at at Acme HVAC that HVAC that she just snaps her fingers and things happen. People come running. And that's where when we look at all of these opportunities, you have to give people the first experience of something. Free is the most compelling way to draw them like bees <laughs> down. <laughs> uh, Mike Koenigs, uh, Mike Koenigs, who we've had on I Love Marketing. Where, where the hell's Mike at? You, where you at, Mike? That's hey, brother. How you doing, man? Good to Good. see you. You, you uh, have you? Did you just hear the whole uh, the whole section about offers and everything? You can totally. Speak I just to caught the last part, but uh, what I heard was awesome. And I was just on with Dean. I I uh, um, signed up to spend a whole year with him too. So he's been uh, my secret weapon in the background. I always love every idea he comes up with. No. It, well, so what are you up to? What's new with you? What are you doing? What's the newest thing with you? Well. Um, I've been doing quarterly books following Dan Sullivan's uh, lead. So I released one. I got another one coming out in two weeks and then playing with chat GPT. So if you haven't been using chat GPT, it's a great tool. It's free for now and you can feed it some uh, inputs and it'll write email copy, letters, bios. If you want to prepare and do, um, oh, like, uh, podcast interviews, for example, it'll come up with 10 podcast question ideas on the fly. I'm happy to show it off too, but it's a remarkable tool and a great way to augment what you're doing and get past the first draft, which is always the hardest thing for anyone who needs to write copy. Mm. So um, it's really, really cool. And we used it last week. We it saved us three weeks of work in uh, in three in three hours. So we actually created a whole brand from scratch. Um, so it's, uh, remarkable. It's easy to play with and you just type in commands. It could be something like, um, as an example, this is a goofy one, but you can say, write a sitcom based on the Seinfeld show with three characters, Elon Musk, Jerry Seinfeld, and Homer Simpson about cars and picnics. And it'll write a little, a whole show for you. Crazy stuff like that. It's what you can do if you can utilize AI to make so many things that were so difficult to do. I mean, there are, you know, low level copywriters that in interns and various people that you could hire that instantaneously, this makes them a commodity and totally obsolete. And there are things that you can do instantaneously. And this is just shit that's happened in the last four weeks. Imagine six months from now, imagine a year from now. And so what, what is definitely everyone should look at playing with this. And I, I also believe that the craving of human connection and a real person is become is going to become that much more valuable. Uh, the right sort of communities, uh, you know, it, 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 it is is incredible. And so that's something that I would definitely like to speak to because part two of what I'm going to write about are all the cool things that one can do and how this will save time and and, and will create innovations in ways that have never been available so quickly. But Mike, do you have anything to share uh, with that? And then if you do have a new book coming out, then go ahead and plug your book. Thanks. Appreciate that. Okay. So, um, so my, I have a 20 year old son who, uh, is terrified of all of these things. And, uh, there's articles popping up of people who are writing, you know, their school papers using this technology right now. And you can create 
concepts, ideas, copy, messages faster than it would take to assign a task to one of your um, support people. Like if you have a copywriter or you have uh, writers on your team, you can come up with very good ideas super quickly. And again, um, in our case, three hours, we got three weeks worth of work done. And, uh, you know, this isn't about these things replacing people because it's not as creative. But what Dan said that I totally agree with is the hardest thing you'll ever do is come up with a first draft. And you'll think, look at your first draft and say, this sucks. This is terrible. And then our brains are designed to say, how can we make this better? It's a better way, a better way. And you're going to add the nuance. You're going to add the personality. You're going to add the personalization. And um, I just as a gift, it was my wife's birthday. And I said, write a poem. And I fed in some details. Vivian and I met in Greece 24 years ago. A year later, I proposed on my knee on the Eiffel Tower. Um, we have a 20-year-old son named Zach. And, um, you know, every year that I grow with her, I love her even more. Turn this into a song in the voice of Bono from you 2 Boom. And then I said, write a poem in the voice of Keats. Okay. And it wrote some remarkable stuff. And where it wasn't quite right, I said, modify this and change this because it had a couple of the facts wrong. It rewrote it. And then I said, now write three variations. And I took that and I made a couple small tweaks. And that's what I read to her for her birthday, along with a little handmade gift I got for her. And she said it was the best birthday she's ever had and the, and the most thoughtful gift ever. And that Normally, when I've done that, it would take six hours of work, and I did that in 20 minutes, and it was still from me and still personal. So does that take away from the humanity? Does that take away from the connection? And I would say no. Um, It made me a better husband, a better partner, and um, it also opened up some possibilities that I wouldn't have seen myself without that help. So it was like having a best friend writing a remarkable thing for someone I care about. Is that bad? You you know, you know what, Mike, as I think about this, because like, for instance, you know, I have a VR company um, that I'm a co-founder of. And we, you know, when we first uh, founded the company, we said, look, uh, there's going to be a lot of people uh, utilizing VR and AR, and it it is definitely the future and there's millions of headsets sold. And how do we produce content that actually expands people? We don't want people to live in a VR world, right? And we also, you know, what I've learned from addiction, Adam Ghazali back in 2014 was putting headsets on homeless people and measuring their stress levels. And it was dramatically reducing stress levels because you can create an immersive environment. So it's it's really what happens and what people are witnessing and how they're interacting with it. And frankly, I mean, I think most tech today uh, with all of the human advancements that it does. And of course, this is completely in, in a certain context from a mental health pr- perspective has done way more damage to human happiness and human beings. I mean, considering the number two cause of death uh, for young people is suicide uh, and yep. social media. You know, I mean, there's a lot of the use of tech that is a constant dopamine cash register. And then you add AI into the mix. There's definitely 
you know, th- there's definitely dark sides to all of this. You know, it's that whole thing. If you invent a plane, you invent plane, a plane crash. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and so, you know, there's going to be a lot of crashes to these innovations and stuff. But the key is how do you interact with it? How do you utilize it versus being used by it? And, you know, what are you actually doing with it? So uh, everyone thinks they're right. You know, that's one thing I can I write about this even in my book. You know, everyone thinks they're right, including me. And it takes a lot of awareness when I'm like, where am I wrong? Where where am I full of shit? What's really useful? But I'll tell you, I mean, just like Ori, who's an artist, what, what did he write? Let me go back to what he wrote here. He's like, I'm doing work that would take six months and about two to three days now. So certainly, you know, it would be un- it, it would be silly to say that you cannot leverage this. You know, Ray Kurzweil first started calling technology a brain extender, you know, like a phone is a brain extender. Well, it it could also be, uh, you know, it could be a way to imprison yourself. It could be a way to keep yourself depressed. I mean, one of the things we're doing with uh, BJ Fogg at Stanford is I, uh, through Genius Recovery, we're funding a a three-year research study on connection and addiction because Stanford students depression, lots of drinking, lots of loneliness, but translate that to every student, translate that to young people all over the world. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how to best, uh, you know, identify things that help connect people. If And if what you're doing, you know, is, is expanding people and is expanding you, then go for it. But just be very careful to what this does to the biochemistry of the brain and with dopamine when you start playing around with it, because there's a lot of playing with fire. And, and by all means, I'm, you know, I'm no expert on this. I'm just a, a human that is trying to figure this, this stuff out like anyone else, but it's definitely worth uh, looking at and talking about. And I think we should share with everyone through I Love Marketing, how we can apply this to leverage what everyone is you know, joining us for to figure out how to connect with people and how to, how to do it in ways. And so, yeah, I, I, I love the ability to connect with people. I just also know it's going to really disconnect people from themselves in a lot of ways if they get sucked into it. So anyway, that's my, that's my uh, tangent. I love it. Uh, Mike, uh, you play what your book, tell us about your book and then, okay. uh, Sure. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Okay. So the name of the book is your next act and everyone here can have it for free. That's the first thing. So I just dropped a link in where you can just uh, go and grab it. And if you want me to mail you a copy, I'll do that also as a gift. So um, just send your address. I'm happy to do it. So here's what it's about. Um, uh, The subtitle is creating a business you'll love for the rest of your life. So after the the past five years, what I've been doing is working with founders to help them create bigger offers and and reach more people and also create a strong personal brand. So this is the result of working with about 100 people. Um, So it's everything I've learned. It's short. It's less than 100 pages. And um, I think it's a good piece of work. And so far, people are liking it. And my goal is to get 1,000 people to read it. It's not important that I sell that many copies, but if you feel like grabbing a copy on Amazon for 99 cents and leaving a review, I'd appreciate that too. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Yeah. And by the way, if you go and give that goofball a review only after you've read his book, 
then uh, review my book only if you've read my book. Like what's cool mm-hmm. about what I did for, uh, and I'm trying to change this in the marketing world. So I've got my book here. Not that I need to hold it up considering I have this obnoxious, uh, you know, yellow background where there's a QR code, uh, mm-hmm. which Lauren on my team actually did this, which was great. Uh, you know, when I'm doing podcasts now, people are like, oh my God, I love your background. I'm going to do the same thing. Um, one of the things I did with my book is uh, I, I asked everyone that had gotten a, a a early version of it, Genius Network members and you know well known people and people that I you know respected and would like to have their endorsement. I said, do not give me a testimonial for the book unless unless you've read the entire book and you like it. Uh, and and that's one of the things I want to encourage people to quit doing that are book authors is getting quotes from famous people saying how great the book is that have not read the book because that's bullshit. I mean, you're, you're literally lying. And so you, if someone wants to get a character reference or someone wants to speak to your process that you're writing a book about, that, I'm not saying that's bad. It's different though than like, I think this is the greatest book I've ever read and they've never read the damn book. So I even had a couple of very famous people say, write up blurbs for me and pick the one you want. And I'm like, nope, can't do it unless you read the whole book and you write it yourself. And so I've got some great endorsements. And if anyone wants to uh, hear me uh, speak for, uh, you know, the entire book, I read the book myself because I like it when authors read their own book and it's available on Audible. But I would appreciate that also. And I know a lot of people here have already gotten my book. So thank you very much. Uh, Dean, because we were, uh, I was talking about it. Mike Dudley, can you can you talk about uh, Genius X and tell people about the retreat app? Because I think, what we're doing in VR and using tech is extraordinary. Uh, and also I own Cleeter, Arizona, which is a 40 acre ghost town in Arizona. Some of you don't may not know that, but I bought with Jason Campbell, Mike Leone and Ben Hootie. We bought a 40 acre ghost town. We also have a uh, the Cleeter Bar and Yacht Club that happens to be there, which is pretty funny. Um, that's being run by people that were there before we bought the, the ghost town. And we're going to do our first art show. Uh, Momo, who's actually uh, with us right now, she, we're organizing a group of artists. We're going to have like a little mini Burning Man on March 3rd. And then uh, February 4th, we may take, uh, if we can organize it quickly enough, a bunch of students from Grand Canyon University. And we're going to make this a project to make Cleeter, Arizona, the most famous little ghost town in Arizona. So we're the first ghost town in virtual reality. Even if you don't have an Oculus, any uh, headset, you can go on YouTube and watch a three-minute video uh, of Cleeter and me and Jason Campbell doing a, a little tour around Cleeter, Arizona, which is pretty cool. But Mike is with Retreat. Um, that's the name of the app. And so tell people how to go test it and check it out. And because it, it's yeah. really cool. Well, it's funny thing about connection and technology. And I think that we we have um historically been really um concerned about new advances in technology and the negative effects that they will have. We don't like computers, we didn't want our kids to be on video game consoles forever, we didn't want uh TVs in the classroom, and then we didn't want computers in the classroom and then we didn't want iPads in the classroom and 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 yet what we've seen the the beautiful gift that technology has given us is that it has expanded our definition of connection it hasn't contracted it and so VR is this really interesting new foray into this generational technology um, that allows people to connect in ways that they just can't do over the computer, over Zoom, over staring at a com- at a screen, uh, because there's actually a feeling of presence. 
and I say that to say there's a Stanford study. Um, I worked with, actually chatted with BJ Fogg's partner, um, and he sent me this study that was really fascinating that talked about the feeling of presence and how it allowed for a deeper learning experience and a better level of um, social feeling because of presence. And it was um, actually noticeably bigger in women. Women felt a better form of presence. We have, with Retreat, created a, let's just call it a soft skills learning app, but it is a health and well-being and life skills, let's even call it professional skills app, like a masterclass in VR that allows people to go in socially. So it's not an individual cover your eyes and learn experience, but in fact, you go in with other people. You actually can join with friends or meet random new people all together, and you can all take these courses together. They're course specific. So you might go in and download the app for free and decide, I want to um, I want to learn how to interview for a job. I want to learn financial basics. I want to learn breath work, energetics. I want to heal through art um, and, and a slew, uh, nutrition, mindfulness, meditation. All of that is being built and being put into the app. And what it's what we're seeing initially, and we just launched, we're brand new, uh, but what we're seeing initially is this is a place for people to go who are serious in VR. A lot of VR, unfortunately, is violence and killing zombies and and thirteen-year-olds uh, who are humping your leg as your avatar in in uh, in their social experiences. And and we have found and created a place that not only has um, real learning and real healing that takes place but it's also social and social in a grown up way. It is um, VR is about to get a lot smarter because of retreat. And, and I'm really excited about that. You know, we, we are doing live events regularly. Um, we're doing a live podcast in VR where we actually shoot uh, content on a green screen. So you have video holograms in VR, which mm. makes it look like somebody's actually standing there. We do that also with all of our content as well, all the coaches. So it is a, objective-based learning platform that is social and interactive. And it is the first uh, of its kind and what Meta has called a category-defining app. Uh, they're really excited to uh, to help VR grow up a little bit. And, uh, and, and we're trying to do the same. So we're really, really excited. I think if you have a headset, check it out. It's free. Just go to retreat or search for retreat within the webs within the headset. Um, but this is something that I think, you know, we, we've seen the data. We know that people, specifically around soft skills, people train four times faster in VR than e-learning. They're 275% more confident, 3.5, whatever, emotionally connected. It, there is no data that says that VR is bad for soft skills. That's the crazy thing about it. And that nobody has really included soft skills in their VR plans is, uh, is surprising to me. Uh, there's a lot of B2B solutions, but no B2C. And we get to actually go straight to the consumer and find all these kids. You know, the tech industry dropped 50,000 jobs this this last quarter. There's a lot of people hurting and a lot of people who um, who need help. And we're about to bring a lot of help to a lot of people. So we're really excited. I think it's going to be a great success. Dean, here's something I want to do too um, that I want to leave people with today. So this is something that has been on ilovemarketing.com since the inception. And this is uh, what we basically uh, teach on I Love Marketing and have taught from the very beginning. And so you can get this for free. There's no course that at the end I'll show you. See down here, I don't think it is. Do we pitch anything? That's the very bad. You can go to I Love Marketing to download every episode, blah, blah, blah. 
you can join. Oh, look at this, how old this is. This That's is the original one. Yeah. Yeah, this is the original report, but it's really good. And Breakthrough DNA, eight profit activators that can trigger in your business starting right now. Okay, it goes through the before unit, the during unit, and the after unit. Uh, many of you have read this if you've been with us for a while, but if you're not, so there's eight profit activators. The first is in here. Let me see if I can, I have a one pager of this, but I'll go through it. You know, uh, Dean, you, you want to go through the eight profit activators? You want me to? I don't to? remember them. Well, yeah. that's why we write books. You think <laughs> no, we can remember any you think I'm you can remember any of this was the funny, that was the joke from the very first I Love Marketing conference. We're in the elevator. And you asked me on the we're we're on our way down to the the seminar that's starting that day. And you asked me, uh, can, can you do you know all the eight profit activators without looking? <laughs> it was so funny. Well, but yeah, no, so, I know all about them. Well, no, well, here's what's funny. Amy Porterfield, she uh, interviewed me for her podcast, mm -hmm. and um, she wanted me to go through all the different uh, nine genius networking principles in my book. And I'm like, you know, I kind of have to have a cheat sheet because I, I can't ah, right, remember right. them all, but I never try to hide that. I'm like, if I'm actually yeah. reading something, I'll say, let me just kind of go through this. But uh, so the first one though, is narrow your focus and select one target market at a time. And, you know, this is something that every year going into a new year, it's always good to audit uh, your business and audit what you sell and audit who your audience is and just kind of use it as an opportunity to clean up what you need to clean up, uh, get clarity on where you need to get clarity, drop uh, the things that are not elf, easy, lucrative, and fun, uh, get rid you know, uh, get rid of the things that are half, hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. And uh, so if you read the Breakthrough DNA report, uh, it will help you. It is a great guide. And we give examples uh, of, you know, selecting a single target market. And then the second one is Profit Activator 2. Use direct response offers to compel prospects to call you. And we go through that. Okay, this is a little over 30 pages. And then the third uh, activator is patiently and systematically educate and motivate prospects to meet you when you're ready. Okay, and of course, so uh, would you like a cookie? And that'll make sense when you read this. And then number four is present your unique service offer in a way that makes it easy to get started. And then talk about, you know, carpet audits and that sort of stuff. Profit activator number five, deliver a dream come true experience designed from your client's perspective. See, that's where what's in it for them comes in. Mm -hmm. If you're focusing on what's in it for them, not what's in it for you, then you will function and think and do things in a way that really speaks to what they want. And so, you know, we talk about the three types of experience someone could have. They can be an unhappy uh, client or customer, a satisfied client or customer, or a happy client. And so in order for people to be smiling, uh, and have loyalty, which is the closest you're going to get to anything, because there's not really loyalty. You'll, you'll, you can lose that very quickly if you allow your competitors to pay more attention to someone than you do. Uh, it's way, it's the way you interact and the way you deliver things. So profit activator number six is provide after sales service, even after you've already been paid. Uh, profit activator number seven is nurture lifetime relationships and focus on lifetime value. And then profit activator number eight, the, you know, the after unit is, orchestrate referrals by giving your clients the opportunity to feel great. Now, we've had people that have read this that have said this is more valuable than many $2,000 courses they've been to, the many seminars, and it's literally a report. 
and download it. You don't even need to buy anything. And that's uh, anything else you want to share on that, Dean? Um, you know, that's a great uh, tool. I mean, it's the foundation of everything that uh, that we talk about on I Love Marketing. And if you want uh, to see how the eight profit activators are either growing or slowing your business, you can go to ProfitActivatorScore.com and try the Profit Activator Scorecard, where you can see exactly where you stand on each of those Uh, eight profit activators. And often people say when they go through the scorecard that it gives them immediate clarity on what the big opportunity is for them right now. Yeah. Awesome. And Gina put, uh, after you've read it, listen to the episode. uh, I love marketing episode um, where we, the one about applying the eight profit activators. Mm -hmm. So if you do this, um, it will be very beneficial and useful for you planning out your business. For anyone that wants specific help that we have many uh, Genius Network members that are on the line, uh, but if Genius Network is not a fit for you or you don't currently run a million dollar plus business and you do want uh, our help with stuff, we do have a coaching group. Hey guys, Dave Strain here. I'm guessing there's a a lot of you that are right where I was, where you love the free content, you love these I Love Marketing podcasts that Joe and Dean do, they're amazing, but you don't yet qualify for the Genius Network where it's, you maybe you can't swing the 25K a year, maybe you're not doing a million dollars a year in your business, something like that. So that's where the Elf Business Coaching Program comes in. It, it's kind of a peek behind the curtain. We actually use some of the tools that Joe uh, created for the Genius Network, as well as for his 100K group, and get to use some of the magic there. We have uh, some amazing guests, and we just we dig deeper into a lot of the stuff that Joe and Dean teach here. But it's just a, a more personalized way that we help you implement these things in your business so you actually get results and you turn your business uh, from being a half business, hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating into an elf business, easy, lucrative, and fun. So if that sounds like something you're interested, we'd love to have you apply. You can do that at elfmembers.com. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to to me or the team. Uh, My email is dave, D-A-V-E, at joepolish.com. So again, that's dave at joepolish.com. Look forward to connecting with you guys and learning more about your businesses and uh, your goals and aspirations. Have a great one. And so, Dean, the next uh, I Love Marketing Live, I think we're doing on the 18th. I believe it's the 18th with Nick Sonnenberg. I think we'll do it with Nick Sonnenberg. We'll, we'll decide. But Nick, has uh, he is the uh, he's the founder of uh, GetLeverage.com. And he has a new book coming out, uh, I think, in February called uh, Come Up for Air. And we'll, yeah, and we've got a, we got a bunch of cool stuff lined up. As you think of going into next year also, look at what are the people, projects, and things that you need to drop that drag you down, that, uh, that are costing you, uh, health, wealth, and elf in the long run. And, um, yeah, that's what I would have to say. So thank you all for being here. Want to wish you and your families super, super happy holidays. Go ahead and save the chat if you want to save the links. And anything uh, anything else from anyone else, Dean or my team or anyone else? I love it. No? All right. Ho, ho, ho. All right, everyone. We'll, we'll right. talk to you next time. Don't miss another episode of I Love Marketing. Subscribe today at ilovemarketing.com forward slash subscribe. If you'd like access to the show notes or resources to help you take action on what was discussed, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 447.